0: Hello, Penn Medicine, and welcome to the Well-Focused Podcast. I'm Mitch Sherman, and today we have Claire Bennett, a critical care nurse over at HUP. Claire, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: How are you doing on your off day? Very generous with your time.
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. It's never a problem to help out. I think this is such a great project, so I'm excited to get you talking so everybody else can benefit from some uh, wellness resources.
0: That is the goal, that's, that's why we're here. So, Claire, uh, what, what unit are you working in over at HUP?
1: I work for staffing for all seasons, um, critical care. So I float to all of the ICUs primarily, but I'm also trained um, to go to the med surge floors, to the ER, and to the PACU. So basically anywhere except the Perlman Center, we kind of float around to. Um, but in the past, like, year and a half, we've been primarily in, like, the COVID ICU areas.
0: Gotcha. So I, I imagine that the last year has been quite a roller coaster for you and obviously other frontline staff as well.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been um, tough. I think we all thought by this point, you know, during this year that it would be, you know, over and behind us. Nobody knew how long it was going to last, and so kind of looking back, it definitely has gotten better. But it's it's been tumultuous and and tough for a lot of reasons, but it's a really good team, not just the Stabbing for All Seasons, um, critical care nurses, all of the ICU nurses um, have been really great and everybody's, you know, been trying to work together to keep the morale up and hopefully in the next couple of months or so, we will be able to, you know, look back and say, ooh, remember when COVID was, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So I actually started here um, with Penn Medicine about two and a half, three weeks before it all hit. Oh Lord. And yeah. Great timing, right? And and I remember, you know, all this information coming out about the coronavirus, COVID-19. And I remember the initial thought was that it was overblown and that this wasn't going to be as big of a deal as maybe the news was letting on to be. And uh-huh. then all of a sudden, like a week later, everything was shut down. Hospitals were filling up. And here we are, you know, what, 15, 18 months later, and we're looking at, Hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so walk us through those, you know, first few weeks, maybe first few days, even.
1: Sure. And I, so I just want to preface this with I'll be speaking primarily to, you know, my experience. I don't want to like blanket statement anybody else's experience, but I, I kind of feel like, at least in the ICU and some of the med surge floors for COVID, we've we've had pretty much the same struggles and and um issues that we face at work and at home but um in the beginning i think we all were thinking you know this is really gonna stink for you know maybe a couple months and i remember thinking because it was back in march i had just come back from maternity leave when everything was happening so i came right back into it um And I had a three-month-old at home and I remember thinking you know what everything will be fine by the 4th of July you know we'll all be able to go to the beach like it will be fine and I remember all of us kind of thinking the same thing and just knowing that it would be really bad in the hospital for a couple months Um, but I don't think we were prepared for the marathon that COVID was and in the beginning I think it was just um, I know the word panic is a strong word but I'm going to use it anyway because there was a lot of sense of you know panic and urgency every time you walked in the hospital because you never knew if that was going to be the day that you know let's say 25 covid patients got admitted to your unit and you know you had to take care of them all and i think because what we were reading in the news was you know new york is using you know refrigeration trucks and they're completely overrun we figured that at some point it was going to happen to us because philly was a big hub as well um and you know once the icu's and the med surge areas started to fill up and the patients started to stay for more than a couple of days. We really saw the toll that it was taking on everybody in general, but especially people with certain comorbidities. These patients were very, very sick and we soon found out that taking care of COVID patients was difficult because you're in a ton of PPE and you're super overheated and, you know, you don't want to get anything on your hands or, you know, bring it home to your family. but Also, these patients were needing to be proned. They were on a ton of drips. They, you know, needed a lot of procedures. So from an ICU standpoint, they were heavy. And rarely did you just get, you know, one, unless they were extremely, extremely sick. You always had two, sometimes three, not really. Um, But we were lucky that we weren't, you know, tripled, quadrupled. But the beginning couple weeks, when you walked onto the unit, it was basically you were met with, you know, IV poles, in the hallway constantly beeping you were basically just like assaulted with alarms because the patients were constantly beeping and their oxygen was constantly dropping and so it was this sense of adrenaline and being stimulated from the second you walked in like there was no let me put my coffee down and let me you know check my email it was like the second you walked on the unit you were working until the next shift came in at seven at night so i think that was really hard i mean we work hard all the time but i think it was a hard adjustment because we were working so hard with some icu nurses we've never worked with before plus in full ppe plus with you know policies and procedures constantly changing with what you can wear what you shouldn't wear and you know and then also worrying about your family at home so it was just this perfect storm of so much unknown I mean looking back now we know so much more and so we can be more calm when we take care of the COVID patients because we know the PPE works but in the beginning I just remember panicking th- like thinking every little thing that I touched if I touched my gown in the wrong way or you know did I just touch my face should I wash my hands again and I remember just taking alcohol pads to my face and just like making sure that I had no germs on me which is crazy now but kind of normal back then so it was just tough
0: yeah and to put it into further perspective you know you're saying beginning shift to end of shift at 7 p.m., that's 12 hours. I know even working from home, working, you know, eight hours and having huge blocks of meetings or whatever in a row, I'm drained and I'm not running around dealing with sick people, dealing with multiple layers of PPE, no breaks for 12 straight hours. I can't really imagine, let alone from your perspective, then going home to a three-month-old or five-month-old at whatever time that is.
1: I think even... I mean, I had a baby or I have a baby, so I, I understand parents with kids. It was really hard. But even if you didn't have kids, you were worried about, you know, bringing it home to your roommates or, like, your, your parents who might be older than 50. There was all of this, like, extra anxiety for you being the catalyst for COVID spreading when you get home. Even though you're in the hospital doing something good, trying to help other people, it's like everybody was afraid of you because of what you were, were doing. So anxiety is just kind of <laughs> like the, the cloud that was covering all of us or at least me, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually
0: such an interesting dynamic that you touch on, too, where it's like on one end, everywhere you look, frontline nurses, doctors, PAs, whatever, are being celebrated everywhere, commended for their hard work, but when they're around, it's sort of like, hey, you know, Mm -hmm. we know where you work, and that is an interesting dynamic I hadn't quite thought of before.
1: Yeah, it's like we appreciate you so much, but definitely don't come to anything in the next couple months and please stay away from me and I don't want to hang out with you or your you know your family and not that we were doing much but you know it affects like my husband and his friends and his extended family we couldn't see any of them because of what I was doing and so we were you know I think healthcare workers everybody had a different you know situation but I think they were especially isolated because no nobody wanted to get, you know, hang hang out with their families, which was understandable because nobody knew. And everybody wanted to stay safe. But what can you do?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when you're dealing with a 12-hour straight shift, an adrenaline-filled shift with a bunch of unknowns, changing protocols, you talk about increases in anxiety, but how does that manifest itself for you or, you know, your colleagues?
1: I think... I mean, for me, there were a lot of different stressful situations in the ICU. And for me, it was one of those things where, yes, it was stressful and you felt your heart racing in certain situations, but then you kind of like an experimental, you know, animal of some sort, you became so conditioned to that level of, you know, anxiety and adrenaline that you didn't even realize it was affecting you. So like when you left. And you walked out of the hospital like you didn't even realize that like your heart was you know beating faster like you took a deep breath and you're like wow that's the first deep breath i've taken all day and i think things that really helped were the nurses were amazing and i think everybody did a really good job we were really lucky that we had enough staff to help with everything for the most part there were some times where it was a little shaky but having those extra hands was very very helpful um the PPE that we had we knock on wood hopefully this doesn't happen that we run out but we never ran out we always had what we needed which you know would have been way more stressful had that not been the case which was you know with other hospitals and I think the the resources like people donating food and um, people dropping stuff off to give to um, the nurses and ICUs and the nurses in general was just like little glimpses of the outside world where it's like oh people still know we're here people still know we're in here you know fighting the good fight and I think those little things brought a sense of reality back to us like okay people know that you know we're struggling in here and it'll be worth it in the end and you know we FaceTimed people's families and stuff because they couldn't come in they were really grateful so I think that kind of brought us back down a little bit to say we're not just struggling in here for you know no reason we're trying to you know save people's lives and people recognize that but it was definitely hard to manage the anxiety of a work day especially because a lot of the times we didn't get a chance to go outside like rarely do at this point in time rarely could we go outside to you know eat lunch or anything like that it was always like take 10 minutes here and like go grab a coffee or something like that but i think the teamwork of all the nurses icu nurses step down nurses and med surge nurses who we all kind of blended together we really the camaraderie was really there. And, you know, if you saw somebody was struggling, you immediately kind of swooped in and and helped them and maybe rotated out of their room if they had been in there for two hours and were visibly, you know, sweating and uncomfortable. So just little things like that over time made a big difference. I don't think there was like one thing that we did every day that helped with the anxiety, but it was just little adjustments that made us feel a little bit more in control of our day, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure, and when you say camaraderie, it it does make sense to me that you're all doing it together. There's been things going around, slogans on TV or marketing, whatever, it's like, we're all in this together, but that's a different ballgame, you know? I'm not in the, the ICU with you, a lot of people are not in the ICU with you, so sort of having that shared experience, I'm sure, goes a long way
1: right you had people to you know commiserate with or vent with and then also to you know celebrate somebody getting out of the icu or going home or something like that so it helps to have you know sounding boards good teammates
0: for sure now what
1: happens
0: if one of your colleagues comes down with covid what, what's the protocol for that
1: so over i feel like over the past 15 to 18 months it's really changed um in the beginning luckily To my knowledge there were a lot of um in the beginning there were a lot of like exposures as we were figuring out what the protocols were for um you know you had a family member test positive or you had a patient interaction without maybe like an n95 um, and then they became positive for COVID. so there were a lot of people who were out on like exposure precautions for 10 or so days and in the beginning while um like the infectious disease team and all those particular higher-up teams were figuring out what the protocol should be. There were times when we were not short-staffed, but like people were missing for a time, so they would be quarantined for, you know, 10 or so days to see if they had symptoms. Surprisingly, not, I don't know of, I think I know of maybe two or three people who actually had COVID, you know, during this time, potentially from either like a patient or a coworker. So, I mean, obviously we were all always afraid that we were gonna get it and get it badly and bring it back to our families or other people, um, especially, you know, charting at the nurse's station next to each other or something. But for the most part with the N95s and the PPE and how basically obsessive we were with cleaning everything, not many people, at least in our, on our team or the ICU team in general in the beginning contracted COVID. But normally it was, you know, like a 10 to 14 day quarantine period You know monitoring your symptoms for i think like a week or so afterwards and then back to work yeah
0: back where back where you came from when we talk about a lot of these stresses and anxieties that are coming from these experiences you said having the camaraderie helped is what other resources did you find helped you uh, or helped your colleagues
1: I am a big proponent of mental health in um, healthcare environments because I feel like it's something that we really need, but we always just kind of push to the side because hospitals are this powerhouse culture of you know always move forward and you know there's always beds to fill up and things like that, so we never get like a moment to stop and think about and reflect about certain things. So I think for me, I used the Cobalt platform pretty frequently. They had meditation sessions they had um like therapists or social workers that you could talk to and not necessarily feel like you needed to go to a shrink or anything like that not that that there was anything wrong with that but it was just somebody to talk to to be like listen i'm having a really hard time with x y and z someone who doesn't know anything about you and can give you um, a perspective from an outsider's perspective so i use the cobalt platform um i also there were like online resources for like certain exercise things that i used every now and then the things that i think would be really helpful and i know they probably exist i probably just haven't found them a lot of my coworkers have and had trouble with things like childcare care um, and trying to find you know because you can't take kids most places now you can't take them to you know doctor's appointments and things like that But so that was something um i was looking for resources for and i know I know they were online somewhere where it was like you know daycares available for COVID-19 nurses and things like that but I liked you know the mental health resources talking to someone who doesn't know me and you know using exercise and meditation as an outlet I like to so this is just me I am completely cooked out I'm so tired of preparing food through quarantine <laughs> so I'm always looking for you know little dinner and 20-minute recipes and things like that so like quick little resources like that really helped me because it was like I cannot cook dinner again for another night so I need like a little 15 minute meal so things like that really helped as well but those were like the big things for me and I know um for my coworkers uh and I guess myself too just like trying to focus on being off on your off days mm. and I, I know it was really hard because it's always like you're wondering what's going on in the hospital especially with COVID like how many patients are we up to and blah 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 but just really focusing on being off and like not checking your email on your off days and, you know, maybe taking some time away from the news and things like that, like little tweaks in your personal life, I think made a difference.
0: Yeah. Taking a break from the news in the last year was definitely. Oh my gosh. For a I lot can, of people.
1: I've gotten into such a bad habit. I have no idea what's going on in the world anymore. Cause I don't even turn it on. It's so bad.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's been quite a year for that amongst everything else. Now, one thing that you said that I, I do want to touch on when you mentioned childcare is saying there might have been things there that you haven't seen. Um, one struggle that we as the well focused team have is reaching clinical staff. Obviously we are all virtual currently uh-huh. and everything that we promote is generally via email or some sort of word of mouth or something along those lines. Um, uh-huh. But you know, you're sitting here telling us that you're running around on your you were running around on your feet twelve hours a day, no time to check anything, you're off days, you don't want to check emails. Yeah. Um how can we more effectively get you the resources that we as the well focused team have to offer?
1: That's such a great question and I agree with you. So the healthcare personnel, not just nurses in general, we're such a diverse, we're so different, but we're also very the same. In, in very much the same in certain aspects. There's a challenge because we span the ages of, you know, like 23 to you know, 60. Some of us have kids and need X, Y, and Z, and some of us are married, live in the city. And I think one of the easiest things, not easiest, I would say, I know there's, there's all sorts of, you know, websites and, and the well-focused app um, and everything has everything but for clinical staff <laughs> we are looking for like the easiest way to see as much information as we can so i think if there's like some sort of compilation of i need help with like a babysitter or childcare, boom this is where i go i am looking for like healthy recipes boom this is where i go and i think there's a like right now and maybe it's because people you know haven't clicked around well focused a lot or, or you know aren't privy to the employee resources but they don't want to go like searching for things they want things given to them because the the time is just not there like they don't want to like click around and and try and find things because there's it's just so busy and hectic which sounds um i don't mean that to sound like you know we want everything given to us but it's just like we want to see as much information as we can in the easiest way possible And the other thing too is i think just consistency so in the beginning i think we were constantly getting like this resources is is here for you we have you know food for you here come to come to this there's this meditation virtually and then all of a sudden it kind of like fizzled out and so i think this uh and it's not i mean in general i don't mean you know the well-focused group at all um and so i think that consistency over time because because nurses and healthcare workers in general are going to feel the effects of this and are still feeling the effects of it because most people have kind of not pushed COVID to the back but they're like okay COVID's going to end soon but they don't realize that there are still multiple units in the hospital that are filled with COVID patients that still have nurses and doctors and whatnot taking care of them so I think just not feeling forgotten about and being consistent with the resources that are available COBOL was great and I know you know I would shouted from the rooftops that I loved the people who I talked to I felt totally open and and not judged at all and I would talk to who I talked to again in a heartbeat Um, but I think that kind of fizzled out as well and I don't think as many people got to use it as should have Um, so something like that keeping that around would be great but just like little tidbits of if you need childcare or if you want access to some sort of like exercise videos at home would be great since you know gyms are closed or something just like little things here and there i don't know just just little things we can do at home but things that we can like kind of get on our own time too not necessarily you have to log into the computer at this time on your off day if that makes sense i know that was kind of a lot but that's just kind of my brain thinking a million things at once of how to reach people because it is hard because people You know, a lot of people, like you said, like me, um, don't check email often when they're not at work and they just have a million and one things going on at home that it's just hard to reach them right now. But it's really something that, whether or not people realize it or not, needs to be done because, you know, in a year or so, we might all be, I mean, we can all feel burnout effects already, but it might really be bad in like a year or so where we lose a lot of people, which is what we don't want.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate the, the long answer because we have this in podcast form, so we can listen as much as we need and take as many notes on it as, as we can. Yeah. This is information that's incredibly valuable for us as, you know, well-being resources for you. So thank you for that. Yeah.
1: Um, it's just so it- hard. I feel like I... What I like, I know all the resources are out there, but do you know what I mean? Where it's like they, just, we just want to see quickly, like what's there, and be able to click it quickly, like instant gratification almost.
0: One hundred percent, yes, and especially you know, if some of the resources, like you said, the the well focused platform, um, shameless plug, but <laughs> if, <Not sure>. a, <laughs> um, if a nurse doesn't have necessarily the time for all that they might not even see that the wellness platform exists. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've met I've met people that work for Penn Medicine and don't know what the WellFocus team is. And then I'm like, okay, let's sit down. I got you. But yeah, and one thing I also want to comment on is when you said towards the beginning of the pandemic, there is all these resources being thrown at you via donations, if it's food, if it's mental health, if it's free exercise classes, whatever. I actually... Like many other people, wore different hats during the peak of the pandemic. And one of the additional responsibilities I had was helping to coordinate donations. And it really felt more like a sprint than a marathon. Because, yeah, just like you were saying, because towards the beginning, you know, over the summer last year or, or late spring, talking to people every single day, putting them either to Hup, Presby, Pensy, whoever, and then all of a sudden it just kind of fizzled out and
1: yeah,
0: yeah, we stopped hearing from people and it, I think it was sort of like you said, we were prepping for maybe a month or two and it going back to normal. And once it all of a sudden has been, you know, eight months, nine months, a year, whatever, yeah, it's hard to maintain that in Absolutely. any capacity.
1: And I think the hardest thing for healthcare workers is once, and I hope this happens, once things do start to slow down, I think. Is when they will be able to take the time to really reflect which is what we should have been doing but you know we can't because we're in go 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 mode and that's when I think it'll really hit people like whoa what just happened this past year like I need to really decompress all of these feelings or you know rework my life you know this isn't working this schedule XY and Z so I, I just think. Something always being there will really help staff because, you know, consistently over time. It's, it's after the initial shock that people will really be like, whoa, take a step back. Let me see what I need here. Yeah,
0: it's kind of like, in a way, when you get off that 12 hour shift and realize you haven't taken a deep breath. Right. Like when we get out the, <clears throat> at the other end of this tunnel and you look back and you're like, poof, let me catch my deep breath in whatever form that might be for somebody, a different way to emerge out of the tunnel.
1: Right, exactly. So I love the well-focused platform and team. So anyway, I can help.
0: Awesome. We appreciate that. You know, normally to end these podcasts, I like to ask a fun question, uh, either pertaining to the topic or not. Uh, This one is not pertaining to the topic. I am assuming a little bit with this question. Um, Listeners, we are recording this on May 5th, one day after May 4th, which is also known as Star Wars Day. May the Force be with you. Claire, are you a Star Wars fan?
1: You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't call myself a Star Wars fan because I haven't seen all of the movies, but I feel like I know most of the characters, and I've seen some of them. So I don't want to be a Star Wars imposter, but okay. I know, you know, Jedi's and, you know, Luke Skywalker, and I've <laughs> seen, I think I've seen three of them.
0: Okay. So that is enough for me to ask this question. What is your favorite Star Wars movie that you've seen?
1: Return of the Jedi.
0: Return of the Jedi. That was my dad's favorite. It's a good one.
1: And I think that was the last one that I've seen. But I always find it funny. May the fourth be with you on May 4th. I always forget about that. Now that you say that, I should probably get back into that. Because I it's not I did like the Star Wars movies. I like their settings and their characters and, you know, Chewbacca and all those characters so maybe I'll get back into it and watch watch some Star Wars
0: definitely there's a lot of content out with movies and shows and cartoons or whatever comics so I mean as I'm a big Star Wars Harry Potter Marvel nerd myself so
1: if you ever need
0: recommendations I got you
1: all right that sounds great
0: (laughs) thank you so much for being here this was very insightful and uh, very helpful for uh, a lot of us to Get a glimpse of you know what the last year's been like, and some great tips on how we can better help our frontline staff moving forward.
1: It's always a work in progress, and we are very appreciative. All I mean, I speak for all frontline workers of any help in any um, capacity. So it was great to help you out and talk. And I hope people got you know something good from it.
0: I feel confident about it. Thank <laughs> you for being here.
1: Yeah, no problem.